This is Janelle Wood, and you are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. Welcome, friend. The Finding Something Real podcast is designed especially for someone who's not sure about relationship with Jesus Christ. As someone who's been through my own ups and downs with faith, my desire is to create an invitational place for people to process and address questions about God and Christianity. So if you're not sure what you believe about God, I get that. And if you're skeptical, hey, you've come to the right place. But I invite people to go on a journey with me because I believe Jesus is real and my desire is to share him with you. And today we're diving deeper into season six. We'll go ahead and dive into today's talk in just a moment. But first, a few words regarding stuff that helps keep us on the air. Hi, friend. This podcast is sponsored in part by Faithful Counseling. Life is full of ups and downs, unexpected twists and turns, and sometimes we struggle with all that can come our way. Faithful Counseling will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist who is also a practicing Christian. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. And as someone with a master's degree in counseling psychology and whom at various times in the past 20 or so years has benefited from seeing a professional therapist, I know the value that professional counseling can bring because we all need someone to talk with and Faithful Counseling can help. Please visit faithfulcounseling.com slash finding something real to sign up for professional faith-based counseling. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. There's also a special offer for finding something real listeners to get 10% off your first month at faithfulcounseling.com slash finding something real. Thanks again to Faithful Counseling for being a sponsor of this episode. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood. And friend, you are listening in for season six, where we're starting off each month with a different young woman sharing her faith story and allowing her the space to ask some tough questions about God and Christianity. This month, I am personally taking some time off to be with my family. So while I'm away, we are featuring some special bonus conversations with or for some young women who've asked some great faith questions in the past few years. And today's episode is a little different in that the topic didn't come up necessarily on a recent podcast episode. Instead, it's a subject that comes up in private conversations with people in my life. And that's the topic of what's the deal about your love life and Jesus. And before I introduce our special guest today, um, I have to say I'm very excited to welcome back a special co-host to today's conversation. When she co-hosted with me back in November 2021, her questions curated a whole month of conversations about living out faith in your daily life, including questions about the Bible, sharing about Jesus with friends, and how to incorporate science psychology, and other disciplines into your life without making those things the main thing. It was so much fun co-hosting those episodes with her, and I've since been delighted to talk with her personally. There's always so much thought-provoking uh, conversation, um, and I've just really loved those conversations with her. And I love that she texts me gifts back and forth, too, uh, like dancing emojis and stuff. It makes my day. So Savannah, welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm so glad this worked out. Last time you were here, you were in school to become a nurse. Tell the listener, whoever's listening, where you're at now in life. Yes, I ended up 
getting my CNA certification. And now I am actually, I just started recently as a CNA in the women's labor and delivery unit. Wow. So you're watching babies be born? Sort of. I have not <laughs> hit the labor and delivery floor yet. I am on postpartum right now, but I will get there. Oh, so you're the, the person who comes in and encourages the new moms and says you're doing yeah. it good and it's okay. Yes, I get to hold the babies and I get to do like tests and things like that. And I do like um, vitals on the mom and stuff like that. So it's it's amazing. <laughs> are, are you loving it? Yes. Yes, Aww. I'm getting through training right now. And it's been amazing. I'm actually doing uh, two different roles right now. I'm doing kind of like the CNA role and then a coordinator role. So right now I'm learning the coordinator role. And then I just finished up learning the CNA role. So it's been a lot of fun. Wow. And how is that going for you? I know you and I had talked a few months ago, you were a little apprehensive about, is this the right move for me? Is, yes. Was it a good move? Was it a good yes, move? definitely. I was nervous because I, um, I didn't know if I was going to be able to, since I hadn't had any, like I have had previous medical background in a clinic, but it wasn't in a hospital. So I was very nervous about not knowing enough and stuff like that. And stuff I was dealing with with my personal life and with anxieties and fears and not being good enough. And mm. um, I kind of decided to just go for it. And because I would rather try than like wonder what if. Yeah. And so I prayed a lot about it. I went for it. And this is kind of the season of trusting God and that he's going to lead me wherever I end up going. <laughs> I love that. And so far, have you found him trustworthy? Yes, definitely. Yeah, it has been a wild journey. And last season, I feel like was more about um, kind of obeying where he told me to go. And this yeah. season is kind of trying to make a path and asking him to shut doors if they need to be shut and opening doors if they need to be opened and just trusting him in a different kind of way. It's kind of like a different kind of faith this year. So that's really exciting. Mm. Well, I'm really excited about our conversation that we're going to have today because um, we have one of the co-authors here of a book that recently um, came out. It's called Before You Meet Your Future Husband. Um, and I think it's kind of along those lines of trusting God in his plan for uh, your love life, right? So I feel like this is a great, a great book for any young person, Savannah, but what do you think? Is this something that you would be interested in, like reading after I'm done reading it myself? Oh, definitely. <laughs> the ship has yeah, sailed for amazing. me. <laughs> <laughs> but I <laughs> I will say, <laughs> um, okay, so this book was, I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag here. This book was co-authored by Robin Jones-Gunn and Trisha Goyer. Robin couldn't be here today, but I just want to say, Robin, if you listen to this later, um, I had brought some show and tell, and I'm going to um, show Trisha and Savannah here before I introduce Trisha. By the way, I have this huge intro for Trisha and Robin. Um, I'm just going to go rogue here because I love Trisha and I know her kind of personally, so I'm just going to say whatever I want, but hang on just a second. <laughs> so... Um, Robin Jones Gunn wrote the Christy Miller series. And when I was in high school, a uh, good little Christian girl, my mom bought me some Christy Miller books. And I read those books because I love to read. And I fell in love with the story between Christy and Todd. And Christy wrote love letters to her future husband. And I was so inspired, okay, that I wrote 
letters to my future husband that went into, for those of you who are not watching this video, and you probably won't uh, be able to, um, it's, a, it's a pretty thick scrapbook here. I wrote probably about 50 some letters to my future husband in the span of like eight years. And I gave them to him on our wedding night. And let's just say timing is everything because <laughs> he was not that interested. <laughs> but I read them to him on our honeymoon and I made sure he he listened to every single one. So uh, thank you, Robin, for that. And then uh, the other guest here, as I've already mentioned, Trisha Goyer. Uh, man, not only has she written over 80 books and she just has the most stellar reputation among every Christian author I know who knows of her, um, but she's the real deal. And last year I got to meet her in person after several years of being mentored by her in her private Facebook group where she helps uh, aspiring authors and um, writers uh, get to work and do the things that they are dreaming of. And uh, she took me out for coffee, bought me a muffin and a coffee and just sat there and poured life and encouragement into me. She took that time. And um, Trisha, as long as I live, I'll never forget that you did that. I was overwhelmed mm -hmm. by your realness and your kindness. Um, so yeah, she's an amazing author and speaker. And I've heard her her speak and I've read her books uh, fantastic or I've read some of her books but I just have to say um more than that uh she has the heart of a servant and it's just really beautiful so she's here today because she co-authored co this book before you meet your future husband 30 questions to ask yourself and 30 heartfelt prayers welcome back to the finding something real podcast Trisha Goyer thank you for being here Janelle I always love hanging out with you I will do it anytime we are in anywhere close to each other. It was <laughs> awesome in Savannah. I'm so glad to meet you too. Aww. Great to meet you as well. So before we dive into this conversation a little bit, tell me about this book, because this is not the first book that you co-authored with Robin. Um, and both of them have similar subject matters. So tell mm -hmm. me about this book versus the one that you wrote before and who should be reading them. Okay, so we'll talk about the first one since it came first, but the first one is praying for your future husband. And this came out of my mentor was Robin all those years ago. I met her at my very first writers conference. I was 22 and pregnant with my third baby. And here I was, I want to write Christian books. And Robin <laughs> didn't look at me and go, you are crazy. <laughs> she loved on me and she mentored me and she encouraged me. And then we became friends over the years and we talked about maybe someday we'll write a book together. Well, Robin and I had a chance to speak at different conferences. And at one conference, we just started sharing our stories kind of of our praying for our future husband. She had come up to Montana to be at a conference that I was hosting and we ended up um, staying at a condo together and the hot tub didn't work. And I promise you the story is going to lead somewhere. So the hot tub <laughs> didn't work. And we ended up going to this other location where the hot tub works. The management company's like, over here. So we went over there and we walked in and this young woman came up and she said, oh my goodness, Trisha Goyer, I've been <laughs> wanting to try to get a hold of you. And I had spoken at another, lo at another conference a couple hours away. And I remember her afterwards. She um came up to me and she was pregnant and she heard my testimony about being a pregnant teen mom and praying for my future husband and she said I was planning to have an abortion but um after hearing your story I really feel I need to trust God I need to have this baby and I need to pray and uh, for a future husband and so 
we just happened to have a broken hot tub and had to go to this location. And she goes, and here's my husband, Dave. And he was the property manager that met us for the hot tub. It was like such a God thing. (laughs) And she goes, and here's my little boy and her little toddler was running around. And Robin was with me in that moment. So it was just Mm. a sweet moment of Robin was there and we got a hug on this young woman and meet her husband and hold her little toddler And so Robin and I talked more about this because I started praying for my future husband when I was a pregnant teenager and my boyfriend had been gone. And before that, I had chosen, I had an abortion, um, which is something I really regret and wish I could go back and redo, but I, I can't. But, you know, she knew my story. She knew how I'd been praying for John. And after meeting this young woman, Robin's like, you know, I wrote letters to my husband, um, but Robin had a broken engagement. So she had gotten engaged, met someone at a Christian college, thought this is the one he broke the engagement. And she was really confused because she thought, I'm just following God's plan here. And I thought this was his plan for me. And so the more we talked about how wasn't like we thought and our prayers still mattered though and God had good plans for us and really as we prayed for our future husband God was changing us on the inside um that just led to the first book which is praying for your future husband and then over the years we've gotten lots of letters from young women and from we've gotten wedding invitations that said I prayed and look what God did we got other letters from young women that said you know what I started going through your book and praying and I realized the person I'm with isn't who I'm supposed to be with. So I broke off that relationship and we've just seen that a lot of young women as they prayed have been changed personally. And so this is the new book, but it's actually like a prequel to praying for your future husband. And before you meet your future husband is just let's talk through different issues with your heart and your mind and what you're doing in your life. So your actions, we label this as um, heart, head, and hands. Um, but it's really like, who are you and who did God make you to be? And um, how is your heart right now? And what thoughts are in your mind? Are they good thoughts? Are they um, clean thoughts? Are you focusing on the right things? And so even before we start looking at a future relationship, let's talk about who you are. And so that's how this book came to be. I love it. What do you think, Savannah? That's amazing. <laughs> do you that wish that really you had... Cool. I wish I had read this book and of course it wasn't available. <laughs> it's not yeah. my fault. <laughs> but uh, I wish I'd had this book. How young should young people be reading these, do you think, um, Trisha? You know, I get asked that question a lot. I was just at a homeschool conference and like every parent's like, how, what age? Uh, I would say 12 or 13. And I think depending on the young women, I mean, some 12 and 13 year olds, it's not even like they're they're not even thinking of future relationships. But It really is like, even though it's saying before you meet your future husband, it really is talking to a young woman about, um, you know, are you tuning into media that maybe isn't healthy for you and future relationships? There's so many unrealistic expectations on videos and reels and in books. So let's talk about those things. And so it's, it's very, a very gentle read. So Mm -hmm. we're not talking about any hot and heavy topics. It's more Let's talk about you and how's your heart. You know, do you know Jesus has good plans for your life and what do you want for your future? Um, those types of questions. So 12 or 13, I think would be great. I have a 13 year old and we talk about these things all the time. Um, and, and really it's a good place for 
a friend or a mom or a mentor to get this book and talk about these topics along with the young women, um, it could lead to some great conversation. Mm. And could older teens and young 20s get something out of this too, it seems Absolutely. like. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And and we, with Praying for Your Future Husband, we got letters from women in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. One of my best friends just got married for the first time at 48. And so we had lots of conversations about praying for your future husband and doing the things that God puts in your path to do for him. Um, you know, instead of just sitting there and waiting for the person to show up, God has good things designed for you for mm-hmm. his glory and for the world. And so it's talking through all those things. And so it's been amazing. We've gotten letters from I've gotten one of the first uh, emails I got was from someone in her 40s who said, you know, I started going through praying for your future husband and praying. I met this guy and here's our wedding announcement. And it was like so cool. So really, it's not an age thing because I think these topics can apply to anyone who is just considering their future and what God has for them. Yeah. Wow. Well, you just mentioned my next question here. You touched on the topic a little bit, but obviously there's a difference between the message that the world shares regarding Mm -hmm. romantic relationships and that of the Christian worldview. I remember as a young single person feeling pulled in completely different directions, and that was in the 90s. On the one hand, I was reading God-honoring fiction like the Christy Miller series and Jeanette Oakey's Love Comes Softly. Did you ever Mm -hmm. read those books, Savannah? Trisha, you read them, didn't you? Yes, absolutely. Oh, I was in love. I was in love. Yeah. Um, On the other hand, um, I was also filling my mind with Hollywood movies and shows like The Bachelor and Seventeen Magazine. And today's young woman, and we have one right here, um, is being constantly bombarded with messages that conflict with the Christian message about relationships. And it's all as easily accessible as the glowing square rectangle in her pocket, right? So... um, How do you fight that? And what's the difference? Yeah, so I have uh, seven daughters. I have uh, three living at home. So I have a 13-year-old, a 15-year-old, and an 18-year-old. So I am seeing this on a daily basis. This is not some like, oh, I've heard these young women once dealt with these things. Like we see it all the time. And, you know, with reels and videos and TikToks, it's so many just very short clips and there's romantic proposals, there's, you know, all um, wedding clips from weddings, there's all these romantic things, and just talking to them about this is not reality, And because we've had the conversation before, one of my daughters, actually, she's 20, she has her own apartment, but we had this conversation, she's like, if my husband doesn't start crying when I walk down the aisle, I am turning and walking out, and I'm like, oh my goodness, like, Okay, hopefully we're going to, by the time you find somebody and you have this relationship, you're not going to be thinking about that in the moment. Like you want him to, like in those little videos, be very dramatic and cry or whatever. You know, it's so much more about the relationship and about your future than all these unrealistic things. And as a teenager, so I was in the 80s when I was a teenager um, and we were watching HBO movies that were not good at all. That's when <laughs> it first came out with all these uh, 16 candles and and so many, I could name worse ones than that that I was watching. <laughs> but it was these teens and to show their love for each other, they were definitely just like getting sexually intimate right during, you know, in the 120 minutes that you watch the movie. And so growing up, as soon as I started dating, which was, you know, 13, 14 years old, 
even though I had gone to church and my mom was a new Christian, she became a Christian when I was in elementary school. And so I knew like I should not be sexually active with boys. All the the music that I was listening to is all those love songs of the 80s and all the TV shows and all the movies were people just immediately getting sexually intimate. And I found myself again with the boyfriends I dated during just a couple of them. But during high school, I became sexually intimate and ended up in two teen pregnancies. And so I know that those messages really, really impact us and how we think. And so if the whole world is doing one thing and then we read God's word where it says, you know, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, think on these things, um, it gets really hard. And so I talk a lot with my own girls about, let's think about the things we're watching, the things that we're listening to, um, relationships in movies. Is that realistic? And every time we're watching something, they hear it from me. Like, is this realistic? Like, how do you think this is going to turn out when they go to school tomorrow? Or (laughs) what do you think about five years from now? So they get these conversations from me all the time. But whether in the 80s like me or 90s like you or modern day, the messages of the world are definitely completely opposite from what we read in God's word. And just for, it was interesting. I was talking to a young woman um, not too long ago and she was like, okay, so it's kind of confusing to me. She's like the Christian worldview. I, I think like from the outside looking in, cause she's not a Christian. She's like, um, it's like, don't have sex and, you know, wait until you're married and, you know, don't have abortions or whatever. But she's like, um, I know lots of people who say that they know God and are having a lot of sex, <laughs> like this kind of thing. And she's like, it's confusing. Like, what, what is the Christian worldview in regards to that? And I'd love for you to share that, Trisha, because I think someone listening might be interested in that. Yeah. So I think, you know, when it comes to um, God's word, it talks about, you know, marriage is one man and women for life. And it talks about purity. Um, I'm reading through Proverbs right now. And it talks about, you know, finding pleasure in the wife of your youth through your life. And so uh, there's a whole book in the Bible, the Song of Solomon, that talks about sex and intimacy and this relationship. So it's not like, you never get to have that. I mean, uh, my husband and I have been married for 33 years. It's like one of the best things of our relationship, but it truly is um, saving that that relationship for the person that you plan on spending your life with, you know, after marriage. So even when I was in high school, there'd be the guys that'd be like, oh yeah, we're going to be together forever. Well, no, <laughs> like that. it was just these high school uh, things in, in both of them were not Christians. And so looking back, that was so unrealistic for me. But, you know, what I talked to my girls about is, you know, when you have that physical intimacy before marriage, first of all, you don't know if there's a true commitment there because guys can say anything. Girls can say anything too. You know, you don't know if that's going to be a marriage in, in your marriage that you're going to continue forever. But then you can't really get to know the person. You can't get to know their heart. You can't get to know their faith. And if you're truly walking the same path, because as soon as you become physically intimate, then that kind of can consume a lot of the relationship. And so I just had this conversation with my 18-year-old yesterday who just started talking to a new guy. And she's like, I see your point, mom, when you say, you know, don't even start down that physical intimacy because then you really get to know the person. And they've had a lot of long conversations 
conversations and they're talking through things. And a lot of her friends, you know, within a couple of weeks are getting physically intimate with a person. And so I think God wants what's best for us and he wants these relationships to last. And um, so saving sex until marriage really helps helps you realize like, okay, this is a person that I want to spend my life with. If this person is willing to wait until marriage, then that's, first of all, that says something about them. But then it just shows you that you can be on the right path in all areas instead of like, wow, this is, this is a great physical intimacy. So let's get married. Friend, if you're enjoying this episode, you may also enjoy exclusive bonus content each month. Finding Something Real is a podcast that has some costs associated with it. We have a website, monthly subscriptions to stay organized. We design things. We like to pay an assistant producer who keeps things going around here, that kind of stuff. We're not in the business of trying to make money, but we are in the business of wanting to keep this show going and be sustainable. So we use Patreon. And if you haven't heard of it, Patreon is the best place for creators to build memberships by providing exclusive access to their work and a deeper connection with their communities. Each month, patrons who support Finding Something Real get a bonus episode where we recap the month's episodes. Often those episodes feature our co-hosts and they will often share what this journey was like. There's other perks over there too, and it's easy to get involved. Just go to findingsomethingreal.com and click support at the top of the page. We'd love to have you over there in our Patreon community. Any thoughts on that, Savannah? I like that. I like the way you worded it to where you wait until marriage. You get to know the person as who they are because I feel like, I guess in my generation as well, I've noticed that in a lot of movies and things like that, that couples will start with physical intimacy and then they, and not not in every situation, but in some they think they're in love immediately because of that. And then, like you said, they get married and then, these problems unravel later on down the line and when you start knowing the person first before all of that I feel like that's so important knowing their heart and then God will bless the rest of that later on mm-hmm. yeah I think there's something too about that fulfillment you know with God I, I remember mm-hmm. you know being um, in high school and, and college and you know I wanted Jesus but at the same time I felt rejected and hurt and had this hole inside that I didn't know how Mm -hmm. Jesus was actually going to fill. And so instead of trusting that he was enough or figuring that out or being honest about that with other believers, um, you know, I romanticized. I I mean, I was a romantic from the time I was like seven years old. I watched those Disney movies and I just sucked it up. That is what my life is going to be like. You were talking about your daughter and the disappointment. I mean, I put all of those kind of expectations on my mm-hmm. husband, like you wouldn't believe. And every romantic relationship I had. But I remember being in a relationship in high school and college that I knew wasn't God honoring, that I knew wasn't the right thing. You know, he said he was a Christian, but he was drifting away at the same time. And I knew that our relationship wasn't, you know, on, honoring to the Lord. Um, but I didn't want to give him up. Because I couldn't imagine uh, the emptiness that it would feel if he weren't in my life. He was my best friend. Um, so, Trisha, what advice do you have for the young woman who is in a relationship, who longs for a relationship with a deeper relationship with God, but she knows the relationship she's in is not God honoring? Um, I've been there. I know young women who have been there. 
Uh, what do you do if you feel torn between your love for God and your love for a guy? Oh, that's such a good question because I was there. Um, my boyfriend in high school that I got pregnant by twice. Um, you know, I thought he was the one he was definitely not a Christian. His family was actually Buddhist and he was nothing. Um, but I thought I loved him. And because, um, I was sexually intimate. I thought like, okay, if I'm giving myself to this person, like it needs to be for life. So mm -hmm. I, I guess I had the, oh, the, this oversight that, um, if you're going to be sexually intimate, you need to keep that relationship because otherwise you're kind of giving yourself to someone and not fulfilling that relationship. I don't know how to explain it better, but, um, but then after I had, I got pregnant and had an abortion, which he wanted me to do. I thought, well, now I really need to stay in this relationship because mm -hmm. not only are we physically intimate, but I had an abortion to stay in this relationship. And looking back, um, he cheated on me. Um, I cheated on him at time. Like there was nothing healthy about the relationship, but because again, I couldn't imagine life without him. I couldn't imagine there being anyone else. Um, when it was good, it was really good. When it was bad, it was horrible. And so I kind of overlooked the horrible and focused on the good. And getting pregnant the second time when I chose not to have an abortion, he broke things off. And I'm so thankful now that he did because I probably would have continued in that back and forth, back and forth forever because, again, I had been sexually intimate with him and had an abortion and now was pregnant with his baby and so I would have put everything into that relationship wanting to keep it whole when looking back it was just not healthy from the start mm -hmm. um and when he broke things up off with me it was horrible and I did feel abandoned I felt alone a lot of my novels have women that are abandoned in relationships and it came mm -hmm. from all those emotions that I felt, I did feel like there is this hole that I wasn't worthy, worthy, that no one could love me. Um, and it helped the looking back now to realize that those were emotions and that that wasn't tr truth. I was worthy of love. I was worthy, worthy of a good relationship. God did love me. God had good plans for me, but I had just been so focused on a person, an unhealthy person. Not he, he wasn't even close to being healthy, but an unhealthy person and an unhealthy relationship. Um, and as hard as it was for those months after he broke things off and here I am pregnant and having his baby and was in the labor room alone, all those things. Um, it was during that time when I was at my lowest and my darkest, um, even my friends, because I dropped out of high school, even my friends were out of the picture because they were just going out their senior year when I had no one to turn, turn to and no one that I felt loved me except my parents, <laughs> but no one else, it seemed like, um, that's when I turned to God and I'm like, God, if you can do anything with my life, please do. Like I have screwed up big time. That was my, like my fancy prayer. I have screwed up big time. And if you have good plans for me, like I, I need them. And I felt this light come in and this hope come in that had not been there. And it had been, it hadn't been there the whole three years of our relationship before. Um, it's like, as soon as I started focusing on this guy, I stopped focusing on God because I knew that wasn't a healthy, good relationship. It wasn't God, God honoring. And as soon as I'm like, God, if you could do anything with my life, please do. I had hope and I had light 
and I knew that God had a good future. I started reading my Bible. I got excited that God was going to do something with me. <laughs> you know, it was like, here I was, I was still 17. I was still pregnant. I was like six months along. I had uh, just finished my credits at home, but I wasn't like at high school. I didn't even have plans for college. I had nothing, but I knew that God had good plans for me because I felt that as soon as I committed myself to him. And so um, that's a long way to say, like, we feel like the emotions can feel very real and we can feel like this is the only person for me and I'm going to be alone. And we have the fear that what if no one loves me and what if no one has like is out there for me. And I felt that way. And God brought me John, um, who's a Christian who is loves God so much, has loved me so much. We have three bio biological kids and then seven adopted kids. He's loved those kids so much. And it took me like daring to trust God that someone out there was like that. Um, and I get this, I get this message. I just got a message, an email from my mom. She's like, my daughter doesn't want to read your book because she doesn't really think there would be a guy out there for her that, that would be God honoring. It would be good for her. Um, and I think so many times we're so afraid that the guy isn't out there that we're willing to compromise. And I just had this conversation with my daughter who's 18, who hasn't had like a boyfriend at all until she just ta started talking to this guy recently. Like was, we're talking like in the last two weeks. And I was talking to her yesterday. I'm like, okay, so there's this Christian guy who loves Jesus, who is honoring you um, and who works in a restaurant and knows how to make sushi. And he was <laughs> out there and God knew that all the time when you were like, oh, it's never going to be this guy. And I don't know if anyone, everything, you know, it's going to go anywhere with this relationship. But at the moment, she's like, I know, right? Like, cause mm -hmm. I would just tell her like, the guy can be out there. Like the guy that loves Jesus and enjoys the same things you do and <laughs> has a good walk with God. Like he can be out there, but we just have to trust God enough that he is and that um, God has good plans for us um, instead of settling for something that we know is not right and not God honoring. Mm. How do you, I don't know if this is a good question or not, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it. Um, <laughs> I remember in, being in that situation. I'm with a guy who says he's a Christian on the outside. It looks okay. Right. Uh, I would just justify it in my head. You know, if somebody like my mom or my mom's friend would say something like, Hey, you know, that's not right. I'd be like, I had a whole list in my head of why it was okay. <laughs> Right. Mm -hmm. How do you know whether what the relationship you're in is a good one? Besides, I mean, to be honest, we weren't even having sex. Right. Like we were doing other stuff. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I was like some perfect angel. Right. But like that was another thing. Like we, we technically weren't doing all these, you know, horrible things. I was being a good girl still in my mind, you know. And uh, how do you know the difference between that justification and a really good relationship besides the sex thing? What's yeah. the, what's the tail, you know, the markers of a good relationship? Yeah. And I think, uh, a good relationship, you know, based on God is both people have their individual walk with God and they're going to be loving God, pursuing God and serving God, even if they're not in that relationship. So when I met John, um, he had been in the military and he was actually injured in a car accident and got out of the military. 
Um, I told God, I told John that God had to break his back to get him out of the military so he could come and meet me. Um, so <laughs> I'm sorry you had to have a broken back, but we never would have met if you had stayed in the military. But like when, um, and he, and his dad was the pastor, which again, doesn't even make the person a Christian. It, there's a lot of people that says as a pastor, but uh, even as this pregnant girl in their church, I saw his life. Um, even before we started dating, he was, he played the drums for worship. He led the young people, um, like kind of a youth pastor type of role for the, like people in their twenties. Um, he just glowed with God. Like you could just tell he loved God. And as I got to know him and hear about like, even when he was in the military, he, um, you know, he didn't drink and then he would be the designated driver for his friends. Cause he cared about his friends. He took his friends to church. Like he had a walk with God without me saying, Hey, we should go to church or Hey, we should read the Bible. Like his walk was present with God without my involvement. So at the time when I started seeking God, my walk was present with God without John in there. So I started walking with God and John was already walking with God. And so like, as we started dating and talking, we're walking side by side, but we're both like our walk was with God. And then God just brought us together to walk with him together. So I would say, is that person or are you like either, either person in the relationship is your walk with God so strong that if that other person isn't there, they are still seeking God. They're following him. They're, you know, uh, turning to God for direction in the life. Are they praying to God for answers? Are they, um, encouraging others to seek God? And that will really show, uh, what it is. I think a, a lot of us, like you were saying, we could have those imagination, imaginary, you know, lip, yeah, we're going to church or we're doing this, but is it a true walk with God? Or is it again, just like, we don't want our mom to get on our case or are they just coming to church because they want to date you? And I've seen though that in relationship too. Um, even with some of my daughters, it's like, okay, yeah, he's coming to church, but did he go to church before he did you? And if you broke up, would he continue to go to church and pursue God um, with all his heart. And, you know, that says a lot about a person, what their motives are for their actions. Yeah, that's good. Savannah, what do you think? That is incredible. I love when you said that their walk or my walk or whoever's with God needs to be something that's outside of the relationship. And I personally really related to that because um, I've been a Christian my whole life, but just, I think, recently, over these past few years or so, I've really started walking with God and mm -hmm. kind of choosing that path, you know, because you can grow up in it, but at some point you have to choose that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I started choosing that, um, especially when things got really hard. And then my boyfriend, um, we've been together almost seven years, and he actually just got baptized recently. And... I think we're in that spot right now where we're both kind of figuring out our journey with God mm. and then we're, we're waiting for God to bring it together because we're planning on, you know, getting engaged soon and like, not soon, soon, but <laughs> when we can afford it, <laughs> but we're eventually planning on getting engaged. And it's, a, I, that was such a pivotal point for us, but where we're both walking with God and we're like, okay, so we're both doing this. We're both pursuing it's new to us. And so now we're trying to 
join it together. Like you said, that really hit home. So that the way you worded that was incredible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Trisha, how can young women ensure that they are emotionally prepared for a committed relationship? Ooh, emotionally prepared. <laughs> that is such a challenge because I, I think when we um, are thinking about relationships, I think before we even kind of go there, we have to say, like, how are my emotions at this time? <laughs> like, what is going on in my mind, in my thoughts? What am I focused on? Um where are my emotions getting tangled? So I would say even after I met John, I still had a lot of emotions entangled in past boyfriends in these physical relationships. And um, I'm so thankful, you know, that through our relationship, John and I have been able to talk about those things. I've been able to um, turn to God and ask him to show me areas of my mind and in my emotions that aren't honoring and pleasing to him. I love Psalm 139, 24 and 25. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me to the path of everlasting. And when we do that, when we ask God to search our emotions and our anxious thoughts, he will always bring something up if he, there's something that he needs to deal with. And I always say, like, bring it to mind because I want to deal with these things, but be gentle, God, because it's hard <laughs> with, when it comes to our emotions. Um, it's hard. And so God has dealt with my emotions. He's helped with my emotions. He's helped me to stop feeling those connections with people from the past that I've been sexually active with. Um, and so I think when we get into a relationship, it's not always going to be perfect. Like there's probably still going to be those things we need to deal with, but we need to be faithful in taking them before God. And like I said, being okay if God points out areas that aren't um, God honoring. So one of the things was after I got married, um, I felt convicted about watching soap operas and I was all into days of our lives. Like back in the day, it was all about Bo and Hope and days of our lives. And I knew all their stories and I, my mom watched it. And so it was like hard, but I knew like getting my mind wrapped up in those um, television romances were, was not going to be healthy for my relationship. So that I felt really convicted. And, um, and then some of the movies I watched, Pretty Women was just out and, you know, those types of things. And I actually got on a three by five card and there's a scripture in Psalms. I can't remember what it, where it is exactly, but it says, I will set before my eyes, no vile thing. It's like, I think maybe Psalms 121 something. And I taped that to our television. And so I knew that for me, emotionally, I would not be healthy if I continued to watch things that were not good for me and so I taped that and put that up on the television and it was like a, everyone would comment when they came over our house because I had that on the television but there's other things like um even with those past relationships so uh, the one I got pregnant with was the second one I was sexually intimate for, with the first one he ended up moving away and I just thought it was like that first love and it was this amazing thing um and years later he actually contacted me um, I've always thought of you. I named my daughter after you, which I'm like, oh my gosh. I've, and I've been married by like 15 years at this point and still 
all the emotions came flooding back as soon as he did that. I'm like, what in the world? And I really, I had talked to John about it. I had friends pray for me. Like it's something I really had to think through because I realized there's this emotional thing. And it was just the day before when I had prayed, search me, oh God, and know my heart, test me and know my thoughts. And he's like, okay, this is what we're going to show you what's really there. And what I realized when I had friends and I was actually in Coeur d'Alene with some writer friends and I told them like I'm really struggling with this because all, all of a sudden all those emotions were there and I broke it off the communication but it like brought out all this flood of emotions and that night they prayed over me and uh my one of my friends was like that's not acceptable you have those emotions but I'm like I know like we need to pray about this but that night as I was praying about it I realized like okay, what if Jesus was standing there in that relationship and picture him there? And so I thought of like, I had, I was 13, just about turned 14 when we started dating um, and then became sexually active at 14. That is it was super young. So then I'm thinking of my own kids and thinking like, uh, that's not okay. Like I thought again, like the Hollywood, whatever romances, all the te- teen movies, this is this handsome guy and he's the guy that everyone wants to date he chooses you and then he was so he was two and a half years older than me mm-hmm. so first of all that's not okay and then just picturing when I started that relationship here I'm 14 years old he's 16 and a half and picturing Jesus there and seeing tears in Jesus's eyes because mm-hmm. he knew I had a hole in my heart and he knew I was trying to seek that uh, seek, seek to fill that hole with this relationship with this guy when Jesus was there like I'm here for you I want to be here for you and when I pictured Jesus there that suddenly it wasn't like this romantic Hollywood thing where the the girl that's not popular gets the guy that everyone wants which is had been in my mind for 20 years <laughs> it wasn't that and then he moved away and it was never filled or whatever it wasn't that it was Jesus wanted me to turn to him and Jesus wanted to love me and he wanted to fill my heart. Mm-hmm. And instead this imposter, no, even though he was super cute, <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. he stepped in and took the place and it just let it tingled up all my emotions. And so once I realized that it like broke these emotions that had been kind of tangled in my mind for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. And so I think over the years, if we t- continue to turn to Jesus and not only like, pray about our future and our circumstances. And one of the things Robin and I talk about in this book is your mind. Like, are there things that God wants to deal with, with your mind and with your emotions? Because sometimes it could be relationships or we've gotten the wrong idea from people we've known or things we've heard or books we've read or movies we've watched. And God needs to get in there and untangle things. And it's not easy, but he's so faithful and he can do it gently. <laughs> um, and he can get our mind fixed on the right things and our emotions fixed on the right things if we let him. I love that. What do you think, Savannah? That's amazing. I love the way you talk about emotions like that. Cause like you kind of said, it's um, sometimes it's easy to let our emotions get the best of us, mm-hmm. but you kind of, separate that from God's truth. And I love the way that you talked about that, especially in your own life. You were so aware of, I have these emotions, but that doesn't mean this is how it has to be. And how you turn to God to help guide you through that, that's really that's really amazing. Yeah. One thing that I really love about you, Trisha, is you walk in so much freedom. 
You know, Mm -hmm. you have this story of, you know, this is who I was and this is who I am. And they're not intermingled. You know, a lot of people, they still live there. uh, Mm -hmm. And you've clearly God has done a work. Um, And I remember last time you were on this podcast, you shared, um, I think it was your favorite Bible verse, Zephaniah. 317. Yeah. Yeah. Would you share that? And would you just share to whoever's listening about that freedom and yeah, how you walk in it? Yeah. Zephaniah 317. And I cannot quote the whole thing, but the the premise of it is um, God is a mighty warrior to save and he sings over us. And coming to the place, and I should have it memorized, but I don't, but coming to the place (laughs) where I can have that imagery that God, first of all, that God is fighting for me. He's a mighty warrior. So he is strong. He can handle, God can handle anything that I throw his way. Like I can be a mess sometimes, but God is strong and he can handle it. But also he's a warrior. He's fighting over us, but then he sings over us. Um, And the fact like for so long, even after I like turned my my life over to him and wanted him to um, you know take over and do something with my life. Uh, I still felt ashamed and because I had an abortion and it was five years later that I ended up going to a Bible study for a woman who had abortions. Like nothing we can do is too bad for God and um, that he can forgive us for anything. And to say that he can forgive me for everything but my abortion um, would be to say that his death on the cross wasn't enough. Mm. And so it came to the place where like, okay, I have to, if I, if I believe this, if I believe he forgave me for all my sins and he forgave me for this too. And it's, it talks about in the God's word that our sins are as far as the East from the West. Like he doesn't remember them anymore and that his love for us is perfect. And so I have to like, kind of trust that even though it doesn't seem logical at all. Um, and then once I trust that and see that he loves me and that he cares for me, he's there again as a mighty warrior to fight for me, but also that he sings for me as it talks about in Zephaniah 317. It's like this tenderness, like he cares, like a, a mom sings over her child or, uh, you know, in a romantic relationship, a husband sings over his wife. It's just this tender love that's there. And if I can see God that way, then, uh, my heart is open and realize like, it doesn't matter the things I did. Like, even though I wish I could go back and do them, that God can still do something with my life. He still loves me completely and he has good plans for me. And so there is that freedom there that I can share my story because I'm not that person anymore. I would not make the same choices that I made then. Um, I wouldn't do that again. I wouldn't make those choices. I wouldn't be in those relationships. But from this point on, I don't have to like hide from God or not get close to God because he loves me completely. And once I trust him and trust his heart, then I could just approach him and know like, okay, I'm here and I'm still not perfect at all, but you love me and you sing over me and uh, you have good plans for me. And then once I have like, no, like he's got me, he's got my back. Um, I can just do what I feel like he's asking me to do. Like, okay, you want me to talk about this? I could talk about it. You want me to write about this? I can write about it. You want me to talk to this person? I could talk to them because he's always going to be there um, and he's always going to take care of me and I can just keep striding forward in this confidence that that it's me and God and um, we're just going to go forward together. I love that. And full circle because uh, she just brought it back to what you were saying in the beginning, Savannah, about trusting God and, you know, that he's leading you each step of the way. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's really great. 
Um, okay, final question. You know, it's the same one every time. The Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Real is an acronym for those things. Restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Of those gifts that we can find in relationship with Jesus Christ, Trisha, which stands out to you the most in your life right now and why? Hmm. I think authenticity. Um, so like just being able to have these conversations with people and um, just, I think when we open up our hearts to them, that they feel free to either open up their hearts to us or to open up their hearts to God is really where I want to be. And it's, it's interesting because now that I've written all these books and I'm at conferences and I'm talking to people all the time, um, I think one thing I get is people like, wow, you don't put on any airs. Like you just are, you like, you'll just sit down and talk with me. And I'm like, okay, first of all, I've made all the mistakes too. So it's not like I <laughs> like I have everything perfect and you don't. Second of all, I am very much in the middle of husband and kids. Like I'm taking kids to soccer practice. I am, uh, cl I cleaned up throw up from on the floor the other day because one of my kids was sick. <laughs> like I am uh, living out this very real life. And so it's not like, I don't know, I'm in this fancy house with maids and <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, I am so ordinary and normal but second of all if we are all children of god like we should all be on this level field it's not like someone has more should i don't know get treated any differently because their name is on a book you know it just doesn't make sense to me so i think it's important the the finding something real is just be the real you and that's all god, that's all god wants that's all other people want um I think for many years, I tried to be like, once I gave my life to God, I tried to be perfect. I tried to like, be the perfect mom and have my kids in all the church activities. And I wrote to because I was making up for kind of my sins, like, let me just, I'll serve you God now. And I'll write all the things and point others to you. I was doing it. I was doing good things, but I was doing it for the wrong motives. I was doing to like make up for my mistakes. Mm -hmm. And now I'm just this is who I am. And uh yeah some days I'm gonna have good days some days I'm gonna have bad days some days I'm um gonna be able to write a lot of words some days I could barely I don't know put two words together but that's mm -hmm. okay that's who I am and hopefully something I say can encourage you and so mm -hmm. and and just makes a big difference I think when we can just walk in that place yeah yeah uh, Trisha Goyer, Savannah, thank you both for being here so much. I just have really appreciated this conversation. Um, I'm excited about this book. Uh, we'll link it in the show notes before you meet your future husband. Um, if you haven't met him yet, especially go get this book. And if you have daughters, go get this book. So uh, thank you so much. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This season, we are inviting young women to join me as they share their personal stories and ask honest questions or share objections to the Christian faith. We hope to feature a different story each month and then invite Christian guests on to share from their own journeys and experiences and maybe answer some of those questions in follow-up episodes. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still 
in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that, but if you're curious at all at whether there's something real to be found in Jesus, I invite you to come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with Him. Until next time.